live from the 2019 RMA International Conference at the RIA Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. It's time now for a special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show, broadcasting on the Pro Business Channel Networks. This show made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. And now here's your host, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance, Michael Flock. Thank you and good morning from Las Vegas at the uh, RMA conference. Really fortunate to have a collections industry veteran well known for his operations and business development experience uh, with us this morning. Chris Schuler is mostly known for his founding and leadership of Vital Solutions. What a great name, Vital Solutions, a successful collection agency with specific expertise and success in auto deficiencies. Chris sold Vital Solutions in 2016 to Fusion BPO. He then joined American First Finance in Dallas as COO. And after a short, successful stint there in 2018, he joined a subsidiary of First Associates Loan Servicing. It's called Activate Financial, a new collection agency where Chris is the president. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Michael. And, and thank you for braving that, uh, that windy weather yesterday on the golf course with us. <laughs> you were quite accomplished there. I was amazed that you could survive that long on that, that wind and rain. Well, I appreciate it, Michael, and I appreciate the invitation. It was a challenge, but uh, <laughs> we weathered it. Your perseverance. That's, That's right. what did it, just like in business. All right. Chris, you've had an incredibly rich set of positions and experiences across uh, several pieces, I would call out of the continuum of accounts receivables management. Let's discuss some of these highlights first of your career, starting in 1990 to today, which is nearly 30 years, 30 years. So you could, re- you could write a great book, maybe even a novel, but I'm sure there'll be some great stories in it from you know, the experiences you've had. There's certainly a few. Yeah. Um, let's start at the beginning. Why, why did you start with a collection law firm, Wallace and DeMeo? That was one of the largest ones, I think, at the time, wasn't it? It was. Wallace and DeMeo uh, ended up being the largest collection law firm at that time in the country. Uh, background on that was that um, uh, Richard DeMeo and I were fraternity brothers. Okay. And I had done a couple favors for some folks in, uh, in Georgia and had gotten an introduction to Richard uh, through some senior execs at Merrill Lynch. And uh, at the time, they were looking for someone to come in and help them with business development. And uh, so we made the connection, and, and I, that's how I started in the industry. Uh-huh. In business development, what uh, what were your goals that year? And what? So Wallace and DeMeo did did both litigation. Right. Um, you know, in Georgia, they had you know they ended up having the NAN or the National Attorney Network, right. and they also were really big in bankruptcy recovery. Uh huh. And um, they really wanted. They were very uh, intensely with uh, GE Capital at the time. Mm-hmm. It's a, a big, very big client. They wanted to diversify. And so they brought me on to help them try to diversify their, their revenue streams. And we were very successful going out and uh, bringing on especially some bankruptcy recovery uh, activities with um, some of the big credit card issuers back in the day. So uh, my first experiences in sales in the industry. Right. Nan, that, that was quite a brand. That was very successful. It was. And they, they sold it, didn't they, to... They did. Total? They they actually sold at Total Systems in the end, right. and uh, and both uh, Doug Wallace and 
Richard have been out of the industry for a number of years now. Uh-huh. They did very well with it. Did you have any equity at the time? I didn't because it was a law firm. You right. know, there were okay. there were rules prohibiting that right. uh, back back in those times in Georgia specifically. Right. And then a few years later, you became CFO of Qualitech, right? Yes. So leaning on the kind of the bankruptcy recovery experiences, uh, uh, Richard and Doug um, ended up meeting up with uh, A. Wayne Johnson, who's now the Department of Ed run, running the, uh, the NextGen program. And uh, we came up with this concept to have an, a national database of consumer bankruptcy filings, kind of the forerunner of Banco. Uh, and so we ended up doing a marketing agreement, a cooperative marketing agreement with MasterCard and went out and uh, met with all the issuers. And uh, so I got exposure there to all the credit card issuers um, at a, a young age in the industry, so to speak. And uh, everybody loved the idea because Banco didn't exist, but they didn't love the idea of, of somebody other than MasterCard owning it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> actually the concept became part of the issuer's clearinghouse. Okay. And, uh, and then that led to the organizations that were gathering the data for that, like Banco. So very early involvement in, in that side of the industry. Excellent. And then you moved on to uh, JDR, where I think you were also in business development. Yeah, so, so I went over to work uh, for A. Wayne Johnson right. at then, Qualitech as, as CFO. Okay. And we ended up uh, uh, selling Qualitech uh, a couple years later to First Data, when mm-hmm. First Data had uh, done its IPO. Mm-hmm. And I was charged uh, at First Data with running uh, a new organization called Credit Performance Services, which was mm-hmm. a uh, first-party BPO, you know, collections outsourcing company, kind of one of the first ones out there. Um, and the first BPO company. Yes. Okay. Yeah. One. One of the first. I mean, there uh-huh. were there were a couple others. You know, like GC Services doing right. doing some right. work uh, in that mm-hmm. area. But uh, mm-hmm. our main, you know. Uh, marketing process was to go cross sell the uh, all of the first data credit card issuers. Okay, and it was in the you know right in the middle of the '90s, and there was huge growth in the credit card industry at that time. Right. So there was a need for bricks and mortar. It was before people were going offshore or nearshore. So I ended up we ended up going from um, me in an office in Atlanta. To about uh, 1,900 employees in in just three years, and just doing first party all day uh-huh. long, just cranking up dollars. So it was and, the right time to be in biz, business process outsourcing. Yes, BPO. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you were the right man at the right time. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough uh, or lucky enough to uh, to be in that position several times in my career. But uh, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of strategy, but. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it worked out. But then, so then you went to JDR? I did. After I left, yeah, after I left First Data, I worked for JDR for um, almost a year. Yep. But I had interviewed with uh, OSI, okay. and they were interested in me coming on board and helping them in operations. So uh, I ended up, while I was at OSI, um, Brian Falero right. uh, came, came back to me and said, will you come? be my operations guy for the uh-huh. for the uh, debt buying entity OSI right. portfolio services. Right. So um, I went to work with uh, Brian and uh, OSI and and ran operations there in the debt buying arm for uh, 4 years. Okay. 
Well, were there any surprises along this long journey that you had up until before you founded Vital? What 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 did you? Yeah, I, I, no surprises. Uh, it was just a lot of hard work and learn, learning the industry. You know, luck. But what's the old saying? You know, luck is where. Uh, perseverance and, and, and work effort, hard work, you know, meet opportunity. Right. right. So in, you know, growing has a, uh, executive and a leader, you know, just putting the work in, you know, kind of going, going back to, uh, a, a central theme I've had of, you know, uh, dedication, desire, determination to succeed. Well, the other thing that's a pattern I think in your career is that you've had a pretty big network of relationships with others in different parts, different pieces of the receivables management continuum, you know, in bankruptcy, first party, third party, and you have relationships with leaders in each one of those segments. I have. I've prided myself in, in certainly building relationships and, you know, it's, it, and never burning a bridge and right. and cultivating those relationships and, and friendship, right? This probably right. goes back to my fraternity days and right. as chapter right. president uh, right. and uh, rush chairman and, and so forth. So sales skills. But uh, also I've really prided myself in helping others develop in the industry. A lot of the, the guys that have worked with me uh, or reported to me uh, over the years. I've, I really enjoy seeing them succeed also. So what's interesting, and this, uh, I love to talk about this because this is what we believe at, at Flock is more than a transaction. And that's what you have been doing. You've been building these relationships which drive transactions, but you've been developing people along the way, partners, just like at the fraternity. You know, you said, you know, you and Richard DeMeo were fraternity brothers, but that, that there's a bond there that you must have created along the way in all these other companies. And after 30 years, it's a pretty rich network, isn't it? It is. It's surprising. So, you know, I was in Atlanta last month and my whole schedule was about going around and talking with guys that had I've worked with that are now leading collection operations, uh -huh. you know, across Atlanta. Or, or And I do that, you know, every day. Um, so... They've been very successful, and and uh, I, I take some pride in that. Well, right, and so so much I think in the collection industry depends on trust between people, and without those relationships, it's hard to build up trust quickly. It takes time. You're right, and and as an entrepreneur, and having started firms, and now starting another firm again, it is about that trust and going going to those people and saying, you know me, you know what I can do how I operate, how I treat people, and would you take a chance with me again and, and you know, bring me some, you know, well, also, bring me some placements? Particularly in BPO, when you're, you're at the early stages of it, and a lot of people were paranoid about giving up relationships with their customers to someone else. So that's why that trust also was crucial, because people didn't want to lose contact or somehow violate their own relationship with their consumers so they have to have confidence in you, your organization, its culture, and its skills, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, emulating a lot of those operations is, is part of it, but doing it the right way uh -huh. has always been, been a key and making sure that you have the quality in the organization. I mean, anybody can, can run the technology tools, but what, what do the people do? How are you managing them? How are you developing them and what quality you have in the organization and delivering a quality product 
and and being upfront and and honest and trustworthy right. is, is a key. Right. Absolutely. So let's move now to Vital, Vital Solutions. I mean, you were having fun at OSI. Um, so why, why would you leave? You, you were successful there. Why did you want to leave? You, you, you started Vital in 2002. You were there to 2016. So that's 14 years in one company. That's the longest you've ever been with one company. Of course, it was your own. Right. But why? Well, um, actually, Chris Gugala and I kind of saw the writing on the wall at OSI as to you know what was what was going on uh, toward the end of the the OSI days uh, before it was you know taken over by NCO. Okay. And uh, we uh, had done a, a very uh, had worked together on several deals, but we had done a, a, a very large uh, deal with Ford Motor Credit on a subprime portfolio that they had to take over the servicing. It was a liquidating portfolio and we right. were going to take over a hundred percent of the servicing. And, uh, it, it was a major, it was a major event for OSI and a major event for, for both of us to be able to bring that home. And we kind of looked at each other and said, Hey, why can't we do this for ourselves? It was kind of the classic entrepreneurial, you know, light bulb going off at dinner one night. And, uh, so we uh, we spent some serious amount of time putting together a, a nice business plan and mm-hmm. meeting with some angel investors, and uh, we ended up going with a group in in Atlanta and brought in a couple million dollars along with a lot of our own money. Okay, and launched launched Vital, and uh, you know Chris uh, had the background in the auto finance industry. Right. And I had the background in it with the you know debt buying industry, right. uh, so because at the time OSI Portfolio Services was the largest debt buyer, right? You know we own. I, I was yep. managing and leading uh, operation that that was liquidating 19 million accounts at the time. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the largest. So, um, so um, you know we focused on those two verticals, and back to the trust thing, back to the business development thing, back to relationships. People trusted both Chris and I, and we uh, we were able to put it together. We went operational in December of 2002 and continued to grow the business um, all, all the way, you know, all the way through 2014-15. Were there any surprises along this journey? <laughs> There's always any a sleepless <laughs> nights. Or? Oh, a- absolutely. I, I think. Uh, you know, as an uh, entrepreneur, you always have some sleepless nights. Um, but when you you have a lot of your own uh, investment and money in, in the operation and you're trying to make a half a million dollar payroll every year and you hit things like the, uh, you know, the financial crisis 10 years ago. Right. And then. Yeah, how was that? Oh, wait. You know, it, what happened was uh, the auto business actually continued to do well because we were doing end of term lease work and leases end of term leases those accounts kind of come out after 36 months after origination okay so we didn't see a downturn from the 2008 2009 cycle until three years later okay but it really hit the debt buying um industry right. hard and we saw we saw liquidations drop 40 percent. so then we weren't making money mm-hmm. uh any mm-hmm. any longer so we very uh, very uh professionally and very uh, politely exited some of those relationships and and started building the um, more of the uh, the auto business. So mm-hmm. we, and we became known, you know, as one of the the agencies that had the largest auto uh, client list and, right. and portfolios. And um, 
and then you know I think that was that was a tough time but uh, we got through it and then uh, we continued to grow through it and then the whole resulting um, you know compliance CFPB environment that right. was created by the Obama administration as a result of the downturn um, and our largest client was Wells Fargo dealer services okay. rep- represented 25% of our uh, revenue stream uh-huh. and uh, when you know through the actions of the CFPB the OCC whatever other uh, organization the uh, federal government had you know they with all the the um, uh, audits and and uh, examinations they were doing with Wells Fargo right. um, Wells Fargo went from 40 plus collection agencies to one. Okay. And we lost that business. Uh-huh. Not through any fault of our own. It was, you know, it was a compliance decision. That must have been devastating. Fargo. It was devastating. Um, you know, to lose 25% of your revenue stream and have to make the adjustments. And some of them are very, very hard decisions. But as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to, you have to review what you're doing. You have to review what you're spending and you have to make some serious cuts, and the, the the cuts that affected me were, you know, having to let some people go because we, you know, I I, I loved the people. Mm-hmm. I, I still get phone calls, texts, emails from the folks there at Vital. You know, even though I've been gone for two years, and uh, uh, hated having to do that, but you have to make adjustments. And- well, it must have been particularly challenging to to cut at a time when you are also increasing expenses for compliance. It was right. We had we had invested uh, well over two million dollars in, in compliance. That's a lot and, for that and, business. Uh, yeah. And part of it was to meet Wells Fargo's goals mm-hmm. from a compliance standpoint, mm-hmm. which we were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it made the it made in the end, it made the organization stronger. Stronger. Yeah. You know, okay. Nitschke and the conflict theory, right? So I've I've believed in that since in a long time. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So. Uh, yeah, we came out the backside, and and uh, the board decided that they wanted to um, sell the company. That you know, the angel investors were still in with me, right? But they were getting to retirement age, and and, and they had and controlling interest. They did. Okay, they did, and uh, you know, they uh, had controlling interest, and they were getting retirement age, and they weren't industry guys, so they wanted to sell. So we we put the company up for sale, and and sold it to Fusion BPO. Okay. How did the process go? Uh, it went really well because Vital was, uh, you know, I'll take partial credit for this. Uh, Vital was very well run and organized company. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, you know, A through Z, all the parts and pieces of mm-hmm. compliance mm-hmm. and business organization down pat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so going through a due diligence process was easy for us okay. where it's, you know, can be harder for other organizations it was really easy for us so you had good clean data good clean data you know uh everything had everything was on the up and up audited financials insurance you know all the things you needed to be a top top rank organization in the industry excellent so there were no surprises during the sale none no, oh, that's great. So it closed very easily compared to some other to deals some other I've seen. <laughs> it's frequently very painful. Right. Was it personally or emotionally painful for you to exit your co- the company you founded? Uh, it was. It was stressful. Uh, it was stressful. But you know what? In the end, I, I think it was the, the right thing to do. And uh, I moved on from it. And uh, 
and I'm in a good spot. So uh, I'm I'm happy about it in the end. Chris is still there, right? right? And right. my CFO uh, who worked with me the whole 14 years, Eric Pittman, Eric Pittman is still there as um, CEO and president. Uh-huh. So or, so um, I'm happy to see that they're continuing on the organization. And the so. organization's still doing well. Good. Good, in spite of that loss of Wells. Uh, yes. Yep. It was as overcome. Said, yeah. In the end, you, you know, in the end, like I said, it's either going to kill you or you're going to become stronger. You know, so the lessons learned from Vital were, what, invest in infrastructure, manage concentration of customers, treat your people well. What else? Yeah, I think the key there is diversification, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Organization diversification. Don't don't be 25% concentrated with one single client you know try try to diversify when you start out it's okay yeah right well you have to be. you have to yeah. be right so you but have, have one customer you're 100 but you know for 12 14 years you know in you should you should be more diversified so right. uh i've uh that's certainly a, a lesson that i've i've learned so today first associates what attracted you to first associate was it your bpo experience from the past because they do a lot of first party work primarily right Right. First Associates is uh, it's a great uh, company in San Diego. And uh, David Johnson, the CEO, and I had uh, dinner in, in Dallas as I was leaving American, American First Finance. And um, we just hit it off. And we talked about uh, a lot of, about the market and the needs and what their clients were asking for. And uh, we both identified it as an opportunity to launch an agency as a natural extension of their loan servicing platform. So traditionally, First Associates has has done um, two things and are well known in the financial services industry. One is uh, as a primary loan servicer, Mm -hmm. right? So they have uh, a large number of clients where they do end-to-end servicing uh, daily. Right. Um, And... uh, also, they're known as probably the primary um, uh, premier backup servicer in the industry. There are some uh, okay. uh, competitors, but in, with all these financial markets deals that right. go, that go on, where private equity is is putting money or loaning money into loan companies, fintech, auto, what, whatever it may be, there's always a backup servicer required, and right. and First Associates is is the premier one of those. So there's a ton of relationships okay. out there that they have, and many many of those clients have asked over the years uh, of David if if you know we they did recovery or, or charge off work, right. and the answer was always no, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so now it's yes. So right. it's very client centric type of decision. And we, we took some time to strategize on it and, and where we want to go with it. So uh, uh, there's a lot of strategy in it, and a lot of, you know, a lot of decision making. But we feel really good about being able to utilize the infrastructure that First Associates has and, and mm-hmm. create the new company. But loan servicing, that market is so huge. There are so many companies doing that, uh, and more and more. I mean, they're all going offshore, just like you guys are at Baja. So what is your edge? You know, is it Baja? Is it the culture? Is it technology? Is it cost? I think uh, the the simple answer, Michael, is all of the above, right? So uh, the company is heavily focused on technology and artificial intelligence and 
becoming uh, more efficient and effective every, every day. Right. I think it's the culture and the quality um, really uh, embedded in within uh, the organization and the call centers are um, you know speech analytics and using that information to to become better. The Baja facility certainly. Um, is seeing a large amount of growth, and we have 600 seats there. We're going to a thousand, and that's where we're going to be doing um, mm-hmm. our collection activity for mm-hmm. Activate, also. Mm-hmm. And in this domestically, we we see very low unemployment, and uh, in some cities, negative uh, unemployment. Right, so. So and, we, does that wage, mean you'll need a second site? It, we probably will. And, and w- wage inflation is is a big concern in in d- domestic cities also. Right. So there's there's a trend for near shore okay. uh, uh, outsourcing, and there's also more people coming around to uh, that will allow you to do th- uh, third party agency work um, near shore or offshore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Baja is perfect for us because we're headquartered in San Diego, mm-hmm. and literally we have management in the facility every single day right. of the week um, going back and forth. So if we expand, it will probably also be in, in Mexico. Okay. So, um, you know, whether it's uh, uh And we Tijuana expand meaning or, activate. Yeah, activate, yeah. activate or, uh, or First Associates itself. Once okay. we fill up that call, that call center, uh-huh. um, we will probably look at other opportunities in, in Mexico. And how are your customers reacting to that site? They love it. They do? Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. So we, we, you know, we, we can literally pick them up at the San Diego airport and have them across the border and at the site within, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And, uh uh, the site is Class A. It's a beautiful call center. Uh-huh. We literally uh, we, we we did a long term lease on a on a old grocery store in Tijuana, and we gutted it, and it's it's being <laughs> built back as a Class A call center with all the you know right equipment, security, mm-hmm. um, technology, everything you need to run uh, top of the line call center. Excellent, excellent. So, so far, no surprises then. No surprises. No, no obstacles. It's uh, easy, huh? Uh, well, you know, uh, compliance, uh, yeah. you know, licensing is right. always an obstacle. So okay. it's, ta- it's taking a little bit longer than, than we expected. But, hey, that's, it's the environment. And, you know, we have to wait for the states to, right. to uh, issue the licenses. But uh, the great thing is, is that we, we have a couple of clients already uh, either on board or coming on board where we can um, work accounts in the states that we are qualified to work in and and as we get our licenses in uh, we will uh, we will then take on accounts for, for states but the company is extremely compliant mm-hmm. has a large compliance uh, department and and we're gonna like vital uh, we're gonna do things that activate the right way the compliant way mm-hmm and that's what First Associates is all about anyways. Good. Well, as we wrap this up this morning, Chris, what, what's your outlook for the industry in 2019 and beyond? What, what, what do you see there in the future? Because you've been, you've been blessed with, I think, a, a perspicacity uh, that you seem to be at the right place at the right time. You know, Wallace and DeMeo, uh, Qualitech, OSI. So you're, you, you look where there are opportunities. So you're, you're now with a big loan servicing BPO company. What's next on the horizon for the market? What do you see happening? 
Well, I think I think there's going to be continued outsourcing both on the first party and, and third party side, and uh, you know, there, there I, I think there's a potential for another recession out there. Uh-huh. I don't want to see it, but I, I think the, there's there's certainly um, some some writing on the wall that's going to come eventually. And um, you know, I think there'll be a lot of bad debt out there that will will need servicers, and that's what we're in the market for. And um, uh, we 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 want to service bad debt, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're going to be looking for opportunities to do that in in, in all segments. And uh, okay. I, I think I think the the outlook is strong, bar uh, barring you know any uh, decisions by the CFPB or right. anything else that other would, than would, that would yeah kind of mar the opportunity so to speak but what about the market for debt buyers we're here today with rma what what do you see for debt buyers i I think it's strong i mean i don't i don't see the issuers that i'm talking to um i don't see uh any of them backing off Mm -hmm. selling Mm -hmm. you know it's it's once once you begin selling it's hard to stop although the big banks did you know wells well where B of A, yeah. Chase, yeah. It, true, and uh, I did talk with Wells yesterday, and th- they're going to stay on the path they're on. Okay. But with with the growth in fintech and, and other verticals, uh, an in- interesting vertical that's out there today that's uh, going to be, a, I think, a high-growth vertical is um, out-of-pocket patient financing. There's a lot of companies that right. are looking I've heard to that. get into that uh, uh business and already in the business but that's not bad debt that's there will be bad debt as a result okay. of it uh-huh. so and we we actually at first associates are are going to be um, providing loan servicing and bad debt collections for some of those so we're be also becoming hipaa compliant to okay. be able to do, do you that. see companies doing both then uh providing the performing uh or the originations of those loans plus the write-off opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We 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 um we are writing into a lot of our loan servicing contracts at First Associates. A lot of the new ones, the opportunity to use Activate has a na- has a natural extension of the loan servicing operation. Yeah, you know, once once it charges off, then it moves over to Activate, and we okay. You know, we try to recover um, the charge-offs. Excellent. Well, Chris, one one last question. What final wisdom do you have for young people that uh, are starting out in their careers like you did 30 years ago? Uh, What wisdom do you have about this industry if they're considering getting into either collections, BPO, debt buying, legal collections? What, What lessons learned and advice would you give young people today? Dedication, desire, determination, hard work put <laughs> put in the sweat equity uh-huh uh i certainly did and there are still opportunities out there to grow within this industry to go and i've seen it happen many times to go from being a 15 dollars an hour collector to a supervisor to a manager to a director to a vp i can list names of people that right. you know work that worked with me or for me that have done that, that are do, are very successful today in the industry. So just work hard, learn the business, and, um, you know, opportunity abounds. Excellent. Well, Chris, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning and taking us on the journey, tracing back to your beginnings over 30 years ago from Wallace and DeMeo to Activate Financial. That's quite a 
spectrum of receivables management, spectrum of experiences, a lot of fun, maybe a few tough moments. Um, you can clearly claim now that you have worked almost all aspects of the receivables management continuum of services from first party through legal collections with debt buying thrown in there in the middle as well. So it's a great, a great history, and I think you, you're, you still got a great future ahead of you with First Associates and Activate Financial, and we look forward to learning more about your success in the years ahead. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show with your host, Michael Flock, and his guests live from the 2019 RMA International Conference at the Ario Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, made possible again in part by Flock Specialty Finance, more than a transaction. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. To listen to this rebroadcast and other episodes, visit capitalclubradio.com.